Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where you get to learn the difference between wacky and wooing. I think I'm going to need an adult on this one. Well, good luck here. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's signs uh, uh, over in, uh, in in Europe that say, uh, you know, at restaurants saying all Americans must be uh, accompanied by, by an, an adult. adult. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week, we are talking about disquieting factors in your role-playing games. And what and why we're talking about this is that we've spoken before that it's super, super, super hard to do uh, horror, okay? Because, frankly, you know, horror only works if your characters and your players are exposed, if they feel vulnerable, if they feel like they're not in control. Okay, and of course, as most people play games where it's all about min-maxing, making your character the you know, absolute best at whatever it is that they do, and therefore they're in control, and they're not vulnerable, or any of those things. So I basically kind of gave up on the idea of playing a horror game unless it's something that is, you know, specifically designed for that like oh uh i can't think of it but they use the jenga tower um oh um dread i think dread yes you're correct thank you jonathan uh dread so you know which as as you keep pulling jenga pieces out where the tower falls over then somebody dies so you know it's coming you know and you try to keep it from happening as long as possible but um so that can throw some real dread and horror into a situation but we're not talking about that what we're talking about is disquieting factors in other words all the things that you as a gm can do to make your worlds your situations whatever you know as unnerving disquieting gross Things like growls, because we are used to uh, it, anything that's not like a growl to us sounds like a, like a, a predator. So we're we're gonna immediately, you know, and and you can you can put those sounds out there. You know, uh, you can make up soundscapes for your table, which is again what we were talking about. Um, uh, Andrew Krupa and his uh, uh, his props. He talked a lot about soundscaping. Um, I don't think we could do a whole lot about uh, smells because that's really hard to bring to the table. And um, it also can throw, you know, create situations where it's like smoking and people have trouble with that. You yeah, know? You, you couldn't really do that at the table easily. But yeah. if you can uh, evoke the memories of a smell, because smell and memory are so, so tied together. They are the strongest right. connection. So if you can find a memory if you can evoke a memory of a certain smell that can help yeah bring so, that for so like anyone again we're all parents we all know what the smell of a dirty diaper is yeah, and that, yeah. that's some serious stuff right there you're just mm -hmm. like it's like what did you do 
<laughs> you really look what? at your little innocent, innocent, you know, your, 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 your baby that you cherish so much. You pull that back and you look down at it and you say, what did you do? What unholiness have you unleashed what upon did this you, planet? What? I didn't feed you this. Yeah. 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 This is the, nothing went, that went into you was this color. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or smelled this bad. I cook better than this smell. Yeah. yeah. No, but, um. That's why oh, the no. diaper genie sells sells so well. Because oh yeah, you no, put in I that had plastic one, I and you had one and you turn Shelly, it around yeah. and around and just yep. try to hermetically seal each little section. Oh yeah, yep. And, and, yep. and I, Lord help you if it ever gets a, a tear somewhere along the side. Oh, and Lord. that you all know what we're talking about. No, yeah. I, this no, never no, happened I, to me. I, I, no, always, I had one. I had one. Thankfully, it never tore. But yeah. that, I set my foot down. I said, I'm not dealing with that smell. We are going to get this. I'm going to go to the store. I will yeah. make sure we have the bags and yeah, Shelly's mother I did had no too. problem with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just I did not want to deal with that. And I mean I have cats. So I mean I, yeah. I've smelled some really bad stuff, you know. There, uh, there, I think there would my be my wife something. is very prone to, to, to nausea from smells, so uh, I had to do it. Right. So the hey, point is, dads, is it's hard hey, to bring to the table. But you can talk about diapers. That. Oh, yeah. no, no. There is something. If you can find it, if you want a nasty smell, and there's a YouTube channel where they throw this in every so often on the Try channel. Have you, either of you heard of the fruit called durian? It's from Southeast Asia. I have heard of it, and yes, I have heard that it is, it is nasty smell. Yes, it, it smells funky, it tastes funky, yet apparently it is a delicacy in southeast asia and we're not here to dump on anybody else it's cultures. digestible you're telling us it's not that's about it yeah but smell and taste are just right if you want to bring that to the table and then throw it out and get rid of the garbage bag after the game yeah that would be a real good way oh it smells because they yeah. say it either smells like well human waste or right. rotting flesh and so that would be okay. yeah so let's say you're on an alien world, and the people yeah. who live there smell like that. And the first, and where's the spaceport with the first ship out? Yeah, yeah, well, um, but, but yeah, you may not yeah. have that option. Okay, you, if you got stuck there, you're yeah. there on a diplomatic mission, right? Or you're traveling, and you find yourself, you know, oh. your 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 ship goes down, you're washed up on the shore, and these these are the Lilliputians, okay? Except that they smell like that. Oh, yeah. And uh, you don't want to offend anybody because you're relying upon their charity. Yeah, it's because you don't want to steal their shtick. They're too busy offending you. Yeah, just, oh, yeah. No, yeah, well, that, that, be, that was, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, the point of yeah. Jonathan Swift, but yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right, so that means we move on now to aberrations. Okay, and of course, the first one I want to bring out because I love them so much, Monster Girls. There's, there's a number of groups on Facebook. One is called Wholesome Monster Girls, which are all about monsters that are engaging in very sweet romantic relationships with humans. And uh, sometimes they look, you know, pretty. Sometimes they look pretty. Sometimes they look pretty squick. <laughs> yeah. But their hearts are pure. So, you know. And it's oh like, no! I've seen I've seen the I, I I don't know if it was a I forget if it was art or they did the costume. Yes, it is the xenomorph. You know the the H.R. Geiger head. Yet it's definitely 
a voluptuous woman's body and you're like huh, wait what yes. no you do not want to kiss her no yes just yeah. no the yeah. one that always catches like my boggles my brain i should say is the like the slime monster girl <laughs> i think the slime monster girl is great but yeah, okay <laughs> but it's like what because she, she can morph into whatever is your you know your fantasy but, but it's still a gelatinous Yes. Okay. You person. I mean, but you know, we're all just bags of of meat and blood and stuff. But there's some solid bits to me. That's the thing. You you are a brain that is piloting a bone mech with meat armor. Okay. And that's fine. Just you got to embrace it, buddy. It's the way it is. The bone and the protein fingernails and and all that. And the part that's really you is very squishy. Oh, I, I know. Yeah. But yeah, it just boggles my brain. So but what yeah, we're talking about your brain. Yeah, that brain is connected <laughs> by a meat. He- that brain is covered by a meat helmet, and now right went to Doctor Evil in the spring. They made meat helmets. Yeah, no, it it just. Yeah, the the the. I think there's actually a race. It's a uh, Play Manga D twenty, uh, D twenty pfsrdpublishing.com puts it out, and they're they're trying to they're trying to do the old, Guardians of Order type stuff with the races that like D twenty manga. And they have basically you can play a slime creature that can change forms and everything. And I just I'm like, okay, I uh, there I guess there's a race for everybody. And I just turn you know click to the next page. Yeah, right. Just well, yeah. Ugh, yeah. So you know, uh, so what what I'm saying, I mean, you know, uh, what I'm saying is that you know when you have like monster girls, okay, and I'm using girls, it could be guys, okay, but you know because I'm a guy, you know, the uh, and they're pl- definitely playing to their audience. All right, and. Uh, which are aliens that are still cute and lovable and uh, dateable, okay? So what what they usually do is, uh, I mean, sometimes it's as simple as they've got ears and a tail and maybe fur, okay? Much like, uh, it's just like in Hardwire Hinterland, you have everywhere from the, the you know, the things that look like goofy, you know, they're like they're just normal people, except they've got floppy ears and things like that, you know, all the way down to things that literally look like the like the animal that they are, but they can talk. Okay, so there's a huge range in between. So you can't, you know, so some of these are going to be like, you know, like out of cats where they're they're cute and and they they may only have the ears, you know, the you know the cat girls, you know, only have ears and and maybe a tail and everything else, you know, is uh, is normal, you know, girl, you know. Um, and then, or and then, but then you know, it it, it it you could go into like the fish, you know, the mermaid, okay, where the upper body is female, okay, uh, and but the lower half is is entirely fish, okay, with some plumbing arrangement in there somewhere so that they can reproduce, you know, either with each other or with humans. All right. So uh, and then so you have more of a thing, and then you you go further to some of these things like uh, mon, you know uh, everyday life with monster girls. You've got the one that's basically a spider, and what they've done there is that you have they've plastered you know it's basically variants on the um, centaur. So you've got a woman's upper body, okay, with maybe claws for fingers, you know, and some stuff you know, uh, around the head and extra eyes, okay? But the middle part, the human female part, still is, 
you know, more or less feminine, you know, as we would expect it to be, okay? Uh, some, sometimes they'll put extra breasts, like, you know, if you had, like, some animals have extra sets, and sometimes they'll do that, okay? So, you you know, to us, they're aberrations, okay? To them, it's their race, all right? So, you know, you would, uh, and they, for some reason, may find you attractive, you know, and they may want to have a relationship with you. And so, you know, it, you know, and this is where knowing your players, you can bring up, you know, you can bring up these disquieting aspects of them. Say, well, yeah, they're like that, but they also have eight legs. You know, they also have this really weird thing in the back that produces silk. Okay, or they like to wrap themselves around you with this big, long, snaky tail and squeeze you so hard that sometimes you can't breathe at night, and you have to like, you know, wake them up so they'll relax and let you let you live okay uh or the the slime one that has a tendency because it gets it wants water it has a tendency to get dehydrated it may just crawl over top of you and start you know uh finding water wherever it can and you're suddenly realizing that you're inside of a uh, slime helmet and you have to somehow get free without offending this, this creature that's only trying to find some water. It's a natural uh, urge for it to do. And it was asleep at the time too, by the way. So, you know, there these things, you know, where you suddenly, you know, you, you could be woken up in the middle of the night with something weird happening to you, you know, because that's just the way they are. Or as we talked about before, um, uh, are we? should we talk about the eyeball? I... I can handle the eyeball. Is it too but much for I'm the definitely... podcast? I... Uh, I think we might want to err on the side of caution. Okay, all right, all right. I'm just saying is that you know they may have grooming behaviors with each other that might trigger your own squick kinds of things that they find perfectly normal, you know, and they might want to do it to you, and you're like, oh no, you know, it's like, well, what, you know, I just, I just thought it'd be, I thought it'd be a nice thing for me to do, you know, it's a. It's something that people who are family do to each other, and that was to show you that we accepted you, in, you know, as part of our family group. And you're all like, "Oh no, I don't, I just can't stand it. I can't do it," you know. And these are the kinds of things that, as a GM, you can throw that out to the players, okay? With and, and it does, and it does not have to be sexual, okay? This can be just something, you know, grooming-wise, like I, I mentioned before. Uh, it could be uh, other types of things. Um, now, you know, it's, uh, and of course, when we talk about the aberrations, they could have, you know, things that will trigger you, okay? Things like they might have extra limbs that you're not used to in somebody, you know, seeing something. Uh, we, we, I mean, we always made a big deal about the fact that the, um, the spider people in Fringeworthy, people get, the Demixi, they're basically centaur spiders, and people freak out every time they see them because, and there's really nothing about them that's that scary. It's just the fact that we all are, they're, a, they're an eight foot long. If you, if you, if you, at the, at the front end of the blade down, they'd be like eight foot long spider. Okay. And, and it's just, everyone's just like, uh, no. <laughs> like and they and they and they and um and they breathe out of their spiracles on the side so everything they say is like a whis a, a whisper you know they how, 
how's everything doing? You know, and, and it's just kind of this weird whispery um, uh, hissy sound that doesn't sound like, you know, a nice, normal, you know, masculine sound. And they're all making these weird sounds when they talk to you, you know, and, you know, and, and they might, if they get too close to you, they might, you know, start touching you, you know, with their pedipods, you know, and which which might be, again, a normal thing, how they, when they interact with each other, but you might be like, you're you're inside my space and you're touching me. And yeah, I, I've got the Demixie page up here. Bad traits, frightening, lean on people, bad for initial contact with humanoid types, overly curious, poke into things. Yeah, yeah, the Demixie, it just sounds like they have no real concept of personal space. No, I don't think so. You know, and, yeah. and they're it's... and they're curious, which is worse. I mean, yeah. you know, they're going to get into everything. <laughs> Not yeah. only do they want to hang right next to you up in your face, but then they're going to want to look over and check your pockets and say, oh, what's this? Yes. Yeah. Uh. You know, here, here you, you know, you, while, while they're talking to you, you, they're, they're lifting stuff off of you. They're like, they're, they're like eight, eight armed, uh, um, uh, Kender. <laughs> oh, God. Well, no, I wouldn't say that they're, they, they have the thieving. It's just not a sense, lack of sense of personal property, just a lack of sense of personal, personal space. And yeah. especially here in America. But oh no, they wouldn't take it. They're just going to take it out and look at it and maybe yeah, put it back, gonna, but they're you gonna... realize they're messing with you. So yeah, yeah, it's, that 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 can happen. But yeah, we we here in America. I mean, if you see people in the rest of the world talk, they're a lot closer. Here in America, we have our personal space. We have our bubble. Mm -hmm. If you're coming within that bubble, you better either know me really well, have a medical degree, or have like an engagement ring in your pocket. You don't need to be that close. Back off a little. Right. That's just how we Americans are. Right. And, and it doesn't, but it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, closeness. It could be other things too. Like, for example, um, I think in the, uh, oh, um, the Coneheads, uh, you know, they, they, they were able to unhinge their jaws, which yeah, allowed them to the, eat oh. large amounts of substances. But, you know, uh, the daughter, the, the daughter, daughter eats Farley. the giant, Chris Farley. Yeah. yeah eats <laughs> the giant, uh, sub in one. Yeah. Just basically like a snake taking it. Well, in. I've only seen my mom take a sub like that. Yeah, yeah. Just, Which just yeah. that was that was freaky. Just hearing that, you know. But also yeah, the just... father when he, he he goes in and the dentist keeps saying wider, wider, and suddenly he's like just eight know, rows of teeth. It's like yeah. Yeah, eight rows of teeth. This enormous jaw is seeing on. He's like, hmm. Why? Well, he says it's going to take a lot of work. Can you imagine capping all those teeth? Wow, that's a lot of money. Uh. Uh, yeah. Anyways, um, and I've had and I have caps, so I tell you that's a lot of money. So you know, hinging the jaw, scary teeth, pointy teeth, uh, just two teeth, you know, like uh, you know, uh, like Nosferatu, you know, things like that can just really freak people out, you know. Well, even like pointy teeth on things that don't usually have pointy teeth, like you know, fangs on a rabbit. That sharp pointy fangs. Look at the, the threat, look at the threat. Behind the rabbit. It is, it the, is rabbit. the rabbit. You stupid son. Oh, you made me soil me armor. <laughs> but no, um oh god, what was it? Uh yeah, just a lot of times, yeah, again, sensory can come into that and just like even well, I mean, even you feel like and, and we all have this impulse. It's the back of the neck type tingle, you know, raising the hackles, as you call it. 
you someone like touches the back of your neck, like even with a feather, and most people just get weirded out. And it it's just it's again one of them reptile mind responses. Not even animal mind, it's reptile mind. It's kind of like, you know, when you hear um like metal grating or fingernails on the chalkboard. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's that reptile mind, you know, of the creature screeching and makes you want to freeze up, the fight or flight kicks in. Yeah, that's yeah, that that whole feeling the weird feeling like, oh, yeah, you, you got grating skin and you're touching me. Get away from me. Yeah, they're the you know, the Demixi, you know, they're that that spidery kind because you see spiders, they got like little hairs on them. Like you see them. Yeah, and they come up. Yeah, I say can't get that damn thing away from me. It's got more hair on it than I do. <laughs> yeah, just it would be Yeah, it it's just spiders, it it's that visceral dislike that we just all have. I mean Yeah, but but you to me, as if you have like the really furry spiders, you know. Those things, if they came up there and they were touching me and those nice and furry, I'd be like, oh, that's fine. There's no problem at all. You know, I mean, I, w- I would have less problem with that than having the little sharp nail, you know, pedipods where it felt like they're scraping me. And I'd be like, that that would that would freak me out more than than furry. But, yeah. So, um, but OK, um, the. Uh, of course, you know, like I said, you know, sometimes uh, the aliens are attracted to you and not the other way around, and you got to deal with that. So, uh, but there's some other things, you know, that have to do with their alienness that can also really put you off. For example, scary voices. Again, the Demixi with the wheezing buzz. But it's yeah. not that bad. But there are some really scary, you know, things that actually are scary sounding. They screech when they talk, or they. Uh, uh, you know, Lord help you, they make the brown noise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, or, <clears throat> they've got they've got a, a bass bass voice so low that Barry White is envious of it. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and uh, you know, it's uh, I'm just saying, is it's it's there's there's um, you know, there there are aggressive sounding animal sounds that if it was put inside of an an intelligent creature would still sound like they're always like threatening you. When in fact, is they're saying only the nicest of things. So, I, Klingon. Klingons are probably yeah. a good example. They act very aggressive, but then they've got all that poetry business. Oh, uh, yeah, the Klingon love poetry. Yeah, the man reads love poetry and learns to duck. Learns yeah. to duck. Yes, yes. And, and of course, the, I've, I've been told that they actually have extra organs and things like that, which is, you know, which we'll get to. Um, but, all right, um, the... Uh, also, uh, they could be, uh, uh, because they're aliens, they could be coprophages, where, you know, they... Um, hey, we don't badmouth anybody's religion here. What, what the hell does that mean? It means they, they eat uh, uh, manure. They eat the poo-poo. I know what manure is. <laughs> Again, we're all dads. We've done the right. we're real dads do diapers, yeah. And we have animals that do that right now. I mean, pigs do that, yeah, okay? Yeah, um, And they're perfectly fine following the goats and eating their manure. And But so, you know, here you are, you know, looking at a very pretty uh, um, ursine uh, race, and uh, they, uh, they have hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> you're just like... 
No. And and see, here's the thing. Okay, is it now? Once you know that they they do that, okay, then there's that whole. Are you gonna let them touch you now? Uh, with what? What if their children want to come over and give you a kiss? Okay. Uh, you know, just. Oh, there was a a fringe world. It was the. It was a Victorian era world that had talking rats. And of course, these rats lived in the sewers and even rich put on their yes. And they want to be close to you and hug you. So you have all these rats wanting to come up speaking. I think it's Italian. Okay. well, you know, that. yeah. And and they're coming. Yeah. And they come up and they all want to hug you from like. So now like that from the knees down, you've got, you know, human waste on you because you just got met by the Victorian Italian rat diplomatic delegation. Right. But, but, but even if they didn't, you know, like the rats in Ratatouille, uh, you know, the, the animated film where they, they literally put them through the dishwasher to make sure they were nice and clean. And then they started making the food. Okay. And just knowing that your food was made by rats would pretty much close the restaurant. No, what was the one scene from Eddie Murphy's Dr. Doolittle where he does mop the mouth on the rat? <laughs> and just afterwards, <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm alive. Yeah. It's very Right. I'm just, yes. So I'm just saying is that these, you know, uh, certain, if they engage in certain behaviors, which is normal for them, okay, it's part of their, it's part of their ecology, okay, then you might find yourself really put off by it, okay? Uh, also cannibalism. Okay, lots of uh, uh, lots of animals and such. You know, they eat their own dead. Okay, uh, uh, and and you know, or they're scavengers where they only Car- eat. They eat carrion. They yeah. only eat yeah. carrion. Okay, so yeah. you so you find a racist like that, and you know, are you gonna shake their hands? What if they want to give you a big hug? You know, stuff like that. Is it you know, is that going to cause you a problem? Because of that, where they're they're basically being themselves. You know, they're they're the nicest people in the world. They're generous to a fault. See that 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 it that is one of the things that you that when you play a game where you're dealing with other weird races like that, such as Fringeworthy, you have to take and put your own sensibilities and whatnot on the back burner because you have to realize that you're going to be meeting beings that are totally alien in their outlook, totally alien in their behavior, their biology, their physiology, their, what's, um, heck, cuisine. We brought up the Demixies, how they eat the bugs, or like what they put the bugs in the sacks and they like stick a tongue in it and put in the chemical where they can just slurp it out. And uh, yeah, then you're sitting there, what is that? It's a, it's a larva. You want one? No, yeah. thanks. Brindle fly e- eating a box of donuts. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's a, a larva. You want one? And you're just like, no, thanks. I had a big breakfast. I'm good, really. Yeah. <sighs> and it's the slurping sound you're hearing them. You know, and just, yeah. It's, yeah. And, and of course, they, they, uh, they basically encapsulate it perfectly when it is in the far side where they got the mom chicken, the mom hen, and she's, uh, you know, and she's giving soup to her her chick, and the and the chick is looking at her very askance, and she says, "He says it's good for you, and it's nobody we know." Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and it's you know it's, it's and you can see that happening you know I mean see and and this is the beauty of role playing games because you know you can't do this you know in the in the real world because you know uh, in, in in movies and television shows and stuff like that because they have to be acceptable to such a wide audience okay? yeah role playing games it's just what the six of you maybe. Okay, and it's the theater of the mind. It's yes. the theater of the mind, and you, you know, you, you can look away if you need to, or you can let the you can have a safe word. Believe me, you probably need some safe words here. Okay, <laughs> to basically say, okay, we're not going any further in that direction, or I don't want you describing that again, or you yeah. know, I, I I got one word for my fellow Dementites on that Armageddon. Anyways, okay, yeah, yeah, you need that. That was at. The, uh, the, the Kevin consent Kevin cards. Hart. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Hart with pineapples. Yeah. Yeah, the consent cards are good, too. So th there's all these ways of basically allowing you to do this sort of thing and to really bring out the alienness and the, the disquieting aspects of the adventure. Okay, so you can truly experience something that isn't just, isn't sanitized. Okay, that really is like the way it really would be. Um you know, and, uh, and, you know, and that's a good thing that that allows you. I mean, we talk about bringing the awesome to your table. This is part of that awesome to be able to go and, and go further than can be done in, you know, 99 percent of other media because they literally can't do it. You know, um, but like I said, like cannibalism is, is, is that kind of thing. Uh, uh, scavenge, you know, uh, uh, scavenging dead animals and stuff. There's all uh, in Heinlein. Uh, he touched on it very slightly. Uh, first of all, in um, Stranger in a Strange Land, where they actually did eat a little bit of of one person who was basically left a finger behind as a uh, as a, a, before he went off to be killed because he was a Christ figure. And uh, and which they made a, a soup out of, and everybody got a uh, got to drink the broth and and feel like they were still part of of, of Michael uh, Valentine, the the hero of the story. So he did that, but he also in a number of his stories he had the uh, young uh, uh, adolescent male protagonist eat what he called cannibal sandwiches. Okay, which is ground beef, uncooked, raw. Okay. With lots of ketchup on it. Oh no, no, no! There between two between two pieces of bread, and just just sit down and and chow down on it. Okay. Okay, we're gonna bring this up, and I'm just gonna leave this hanging out for everyone to take in. Kingsman: The Golden Circle, Julianne Moore's character, Poppy, with the meat grinder there in her fifties restaurant and. What she did to traitors and then their friends. Okay. Did you see the second King, the Golden? I've seen it, but I don't recall this, but okay. Okay, I'll go there. She put the guy in the grinder and made the guy's buddy eat a friend burger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, now we remember. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I haven't seen that, but then I, I immediately jumped to Shakespeare and. Titus Andronicus. Uh, okay, we we've just and I and I I, I did not see that one either. Okay, it's a very similar thing. Uh, Daddy uh, catches the two young men who have uh, raped his daughter and and uh, 
mutilated her basically and he grinds them into a pie and serves them to their mom and dad nice wow yeah okay you know and of course the whole um uh, uh johnny depp uh um uh, What's Sweeney Todd, Swe- Sweeney Todd, you know the the, the barber of of yeah. Seville Street or whatever, yep. Um, yep. and uh, you know where they're making meat pies. But I mean, this is the case. I the one I I gave as a suggestion that wasn't even that was food that you would normally eat, but you would cook it. Okay, he was eating it without cooking, with the eye to make it as gross looking as possible. He you know, he he would just eat it. All right. Uh, in the stories, you know, whenever that he would go out to a restaurant and order that. Uh, if they could convince the um, the manager of the of the restaurant to allow him to eat it, they always insisted that he like eat it in the kitchen, away from the other customers, because <laughs> they didn't want them to see that, you know. And he said, "Sure," and he'd go back in there. And usually, he'd you know, it was one it was one way to get back to some uh, to talk to the uh, the wait staff and find out stuff that you might want to learn about too, uh, but. Uh, that can be used as a technique, actually. Um, but so, yeah, so these kinds of, of, of unusual food behaviors. Um, uh, you could be in a world, uh, a more futuristic world, and they could be into cybernetic fetishism, where they just love replacing parts of themselves with, with mechanical parts. And they, Oh, like the mods and, yeah, the mods in the Book of Boba Fett, yeah. Right. Right. So, and, and, you know, and they, and they keep, and, and they're actually more attracted to each other, the more they are cybernized. Okay. So, you know, and the, of course they're going to want to, you know, make you as attractive as possible. So they're going to be constantly, you know, you know, looking at you saying, you know, this, this arm is so thin and, and, and fleshy, and, but also scrawny. Okay. What do you want? Like a nice big, copper coil around there and you know some titanium he says then it'd be an arm you could be proud of versus something you just were you know you just had to you just got accidentally you know through birth and they're like you know when you're like uh you know and of course you know you you know where where the the mechanics meet the flesh is not always necessarily a, a you know a, a beautiful union you know, it might look a little bit puffy, and but it's still fine. You know, and they're like, yeah, yeah. you know. If you've played um, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, you know, there's the whole Maelstrom gang, which that is their thing. They they replace their eyes with like visors or glowing ports and multiple view, you know, cameras, and yeah, they're they're everything is getting replaced, and it is it is not a very smooth transition from the flesh to the to the cyber parts right as long as you know and and you know uh they 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 keep talking about getting rid of their weakness and of course their weakness is everything that's that's organic (laughs) possibly including their brain who knows you know so and you're gonna and you're like they're all your complete fleshiness and you might say you know these teeth are artificial (laughs) this is you know uh and and hey i got this piercing (laughs) So I, I get what you're talking about, <laughs> but I'm just not <laughs> just, looking at you. just not ready to make the big changes. You know what I'm talking about? You know, it's just uh, back where I come. They're looking from. at you, going, "Go big or go home." That's right, go big yeah. or go home, man. I got to use that in that situation in one of my games. <laughs> That's because we do that in the Boy Scouts all the time. That's what we're always telling them. 
And so, all right. Uh, so yeah, so there's that, okay. Um, one of the things that they had in one of the outer, it was, it was, I think, the Twilight Zone, not the Outer Limits. They had surgery to make everybody look identical. Oh, yeah. So yeah. all the guys and all the girls, <laughs> like they had like three different body types of each. And, and of course, the best day of the world is where they went in and they had their surgery and they ended up looking beautiful because only those three were beautiful. And, all, you, know, and you ended up looking just like your mom. And, and the guys would end up looking just like their dad or their uncle or something like that. And everybody liked that. Here you guys all come in with all your non-uniqueness. And they're like, you are the ugliest race of beings we have ever seen. <laughs> what is, you, I can't, they're like, I can barely stand to look at you, please. You know, just go away. And you're like, what are we going to do? You know, at the same time as you're realizing that these people are basically, you know, doing this to themselves, you know, they're engaging in, you know, a lot of changes like this. Well, I mean, we, well, we have body modification all over the world. Come on. I mean, we've had everything from, uh, in Africa, there are cultures that lengthen women's necks by adding copper bands to make the necks longer to the, the infamous, and it, it's pretty much been banned, the Chinese foot binding. Right. And look, I'm, I'm not saying that we don't do it. I'm just saying is, is that for most of the people that are at your table, they're, they're probably not. You know, mostly if they do anything like this, it would be along the lines of, uh, you know. Tattoo, piercing, some type of adding, what we call body modification. Adding yeah. one or two traits, not doing a complete overhaul to... And when you're facing an entire race that has embraced this, okay, then it's like, ah, you know, how are we going to fit in with these people? And, and, and they must think of us as being so unattractive. You know, it's how are we going to do our job when we're so repulsive to them? And, and things like that to make, you know, it's create that disquiet. And, it can, and um, uh, I ran an adventure uh, where, uh, you know, which which I can say now was was definitely inspired by the second Planet of the Apes movie, um, where it was up in uh, it was it was an alternate world and up in in Washington State, uh, they uh, a group that uh, uh, there was a group of people that were all the descendants of the uh, people who were working for Microsoft with the bombs dropped, and they had basically uh, uh, deified. Uh, Bill Gates. Oh, I think you told me about this 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 scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, yeah, and so the the high point in their lives was when they went and under underwent the surgery to basically make themselves look as much like Bill Gates as possible. They called themselves the Bills. And you know, it, it, and they were you know the the player characters, the fringeworthy team, were trying to get something out of them, and they were like, "Well, okay, but you know, you're going to have to be one of us in order for you to get that." What do you mean? He says well, you're going to have to be one of us, you know. And they're all looking at each other, and finally they're like, you know, putting their fingers next to their cheeks. One of us. One of us. That's where you just all chant in unison. One, one of us. One of us. us. <laughs> yes, yes. And of course, the player characters are like, "Oh, seriously." And now all I can now I can think of is a song by Da Vinci's Notebook called "The Gates," and it's singing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that makes me think of um, 
uh, from Fallout, I want to say three, as the Vault of the Garys. Uh huh. They're all they're all clones, right? They're all clones, and now all they can say is their name, Gary, 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 Gary. That was very disquieting, honestly. Okay. All right. That was honestly in that game. That was probably the the one of the scariest vaults I encountered because it was just so anomalous they all look the same and they all sound the same and they all talk the same all right okay um i'm not gonna uh i had you know uh i had a few more things here but we're you know we're we're at an hour and 45 minutes so let's move along okay so there's also social things that are disquieting so uh you know for example uh just uh uh, we can we can we can just do a quick jump over the disgusting eating sounds that people can make. You know, disgusting body functions that they may uh, other alien races may be engaging in. Okay, but then there's also social things like, for example, um, the behaviors that they exhibit they they give toward each other. So if you went to a world where there was like high class, caste, low caste you know, uh, a structured society where the high caste could do whatever they want to to the lower caste because the lower caste cannot bring a charge against the upper class, okay? The upper caste. And, you know, and they're, um, you know, and, and they'll do like, you know, whatever. They'll they'll you know, use, you know, they'll, they'll grab people to, to use as whatever they need a worker. They'll just, you know, here you are doing your regular life and they just grab you and do stuff with you, press you into ser- service, either uh, labor or military. The women get used as, as uh, uh, objects, you know, and here you are, uh, you know, you know, a member of the lower class because you're an alien or whatever, with your perfect teeth and perfect skin. And, of course, that makes you beautiful, right? Compared to most of the people around you. Assuming, yeah. Yeah. If you're dealing with a human, your humanoid race, yeah. So here, here, you know, you're, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be walking around knowing that everyone is looking at you and going, my, my, my. You know, what, what, you know... Can I can I get some of that? And and of course the upper class is just going to come and take. They're not even going to you know question it. They're just going to you know, I mean literally they would walk into your camp, okay, and grab somebody and start taking them off. And you're like, you can't do that. And he says, of course I can't. I'm so and so. In that in that situation, you might have a little bit of an advantage though because. I would say it's likely in that kind of society where the lower class don't have the means to get good health care and, and hygiene. And so you looking very clean and, and hygienic might allow you to pass as upper class, upper caste, at least for a little while until someone wants to check your papers. I have told everybody in my games that anytime you run into an alien race, always say your nobility. Because sometimes it, it, it can make the huge difference that I'm talking about right here. But if you don't do that, if you're trying to integrate or keep on the low profile, that puts you in this situation where, you know, there's a group of people who can do whatever they want to to you. Because, you know, you may not even be allowed to object. Objection will get you killed. Okay. Uh, and, you know, it, likewise... Um, if you've read any of the Elric books, 
uh, the Melnibonians were considered particularly cruel to their slaves. They were a slave culture. Um, so, for example, you're walking around the streets of a city of Melnibone and, and uh, with some kind of an armband on that lets everyone know that you're, you know, not to be messed with, okay? But you're seeing people flogging other people because they, they have the right to do so or, you know, uh, are just being brutal to other people. And you have to decide as players whether you know, what your characters are going to do when they see this sort of thing happening are they going to take action if they don't it says something about their characters right you know you're turning a blind eye to to cruelty you know uh, unnecessary in your eyes cruelty especially from the you know and so you might go over and interpose yourself that's going to draw, you know, and people say, you're railroading me into this. I say, no, I'm asking you, is your character willing, uh, willing to stand by and watch this happen? And they're like, okay, you know. Uh, so that's, so you, you have that kind of disquieted thing where you realize you're in a culture that is just completely, you know, alien to you in that sense. Uh, in the uh, Japanese culture, uh, the Dutch uh, traders who came in to do business with the Japanese. They were the only ones, by the way, when they were a closed uh, nation where nobody could come trade from Europe, they were still allowed to come, the Dutch were. And the Dutch basically had no pride, okay? they When, when they were called in to talk about a trade deal or something with some lord or whatever, they would get come in, crawl on their bellies, okay? Because nobody could be higher than the uh, a nobody could be higher than the the Lord or whatever they would crawl under and they would talk looking at the floor and discuss things with them never looking anybody in the face until they were done with their talking and turned around and they would crawl back out and you know and they and they would uh, and they would they would cry all they would take that humiliation all the way to the bank. Okay, they <laughs> yeah, made yeah. lots of money. Okay, and there's lots of there's there's a number of stories of people from like Russia and other places who insisted that they should be treated as equals to these people. And funny thing happened, they were asked to leave the country. They didn't get the trade deal they came for. They didn't succeed in what they were doing because they weren't willing to play ball the way that country expected them to play ball, even though it was incredibly demeaning. But that was the truth. Okay, that was their reality. Which is which is you value more, your pride or your pocketbook? Or your goals. Yeah. <clears throat> the goals you're trying to achieve. Okay. All right. So uh, in the time we have left, why don't, uh, uh, Trav, why don't you go first and tell us about some of the examples that you came up with as like adventure ideas. Okay, well, these are... I. I Fringeworthy worlds kind of came to mind here and just things that. They're just basically alien worlds. They don't have to. Be yeah, yeah. Them. But I'm, I, I went in that context. Now, the we, we've mentioned the Demixi repeatedly. Um, now, I don't know if they were part of the old Commonwealth and then they just sort of, you know, degraded and Unita found them as they were. But let's say that there were bug worlds, which a lot of the. Okay, when we came up with this yesterday, what was the idea, Bruce, that you had that, that you threw out as the example? I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, Vat-grown human burgers, I think, was oh, what yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of went on that 
you know how you'll have like cup of soup or whatever. I came up with Termeller because there are food processing worlds out there in the fringe paths. An entire world designed to make, well, Instabugs. It is a bug in a cocoon, has a straw in it, and it's already pre-dissolved for your dining pleasure. And it's an entire... Has all the, all the, all the amino acids and, and vitamins that a growing person needs. A growing it to makes an age, yes. And you have one every day as your breakfast, and you'll grow up to be big and strong and spin strong webs, yes. So, yeah, imagine an entire biotech world designed to do nothing but make these ready-to-eat bug uh, larva cocoons or whatever, and you're just hearing all sorts of squishing and slurping noises in this factory, and you're seeing it poured into the little cocoon and it's to the music da 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 what was the other one? Oh, okay, the Brupians, the little three-eyed, three-armed, three-legged creatures that like Limburger cheese walk in through a portal and it's a world that makes cheeses for because you gotta feed these Brupians. And they were made by the Termellern. So yeah, it's they make cheeses for Brupians that you could have gotten in the Commonwealth that make Limburger smell like roses, where most normal people could not just even bear to be in in its presence. As soon as you step through, you just get a, a wave of nasty. Yeah, you gag, and it's like Limburger fe durian fe. This stuff could stop a bull elephant at full charge. But it is an entire world made for making Brupee and cheese. And then I think the third one just, and this would work if you've gotten to this point in the fringe-worthy timeline and you've had to deal with them in a bad way, you come upon a Melor Kreesh world. Oh. Let's say you fought the Melor. You've been through... It's it. What was the phrase we put in for you'll lose limbs and friends and then you come to where they're made and you're seeing like in the big um, cylinders and everything. Partially created Melor. Oh, he's only here from like maybe the chest down and then there's just like ganglia and stuff hanging as it's building and you're just seeing, OK, these are the creatures that killed two of our team members and there's a whole world. And I mean, you can just go nuts. He's like, yeah, there's a melt. What? The crushes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A whole. Cre okay. Creesh. I, I creesh crash, but just a whole world. And you're just showing in cylinders. Yeah. There's like half a mel or he's hardly formed or it's, you know, the insides are there and they haven't grown the skin yet. Things like that. That would be really good. It would have to be, that would be where you've already run your players through two or three Melor scenarios throughout the campaign, and then you come onto that world. And I would just say, go nuts, just, yeah. And I mean, you could sit there and just have a field day with that, because you're tapping into what the character, the players and the characters went through, and it's like, oh dear God. And then they realize the scope. This is an entire planet where these things are. Because, you know, the Tamelorn 
had to have Creech worlds of, for Melor and um, the Kellor. The basically the walking stick figure robots that are on various worlds. Queller. Queller. Okay. Yeah, you know that they 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 had to have entire worlds made to make these things. Well, I mean, and, and until they made the mother Queller, which produced the. Yeah, yeah, but still. But you had to create the mother queller to begin with, yes. Yeah, but the Kreech Mm -hmm. world for either of those races would be very disquieting. Especially if you have been through Meller scenarios and ran it correctly where the players just, no, Meller, no, I'm out, goodbye, you know. Yeah, just I think that would be, if properly run, something that would scare the holy mess out of your players. Yeah, and the sad, and the sad thing is that those would all be old Meller, which are the good ones. Well, it yeah. doesn't matter if all of you have dealt with this mutant Meller and you don't know of the old Meller, you wouldn't care. Yeah, and, yeah <laughs> that's the thing. That's I'm sitting there thinking about it going, oh yeah, they're just going to slaughter a whole bunch of innocent Meller. Yeah. Okay, those are three ideas I came up with because the other ones were not so much weird and scary but just weird uh jonathan uh we're running really short on time so i'll try and be quick no it's Uh, okay we can go over a little bit okay we'll go over a little bit uh the one that the first one that came to mind when we talked about disturbing worlds and disturbing scenarios is uh pulling from the scp wiki oh um, yeah the flesh that hates drink from the fire hose there yeah um if if you for those who haven't uh, delved too deep into the SCP, the flesh that hates is a disease that warps flesh. I mean, that's literally what it does. It warps it and twists it into other forms. And yeah, you know, very much you know body horror type stuff. Uh, if you look at the wiki, you can see all sorts of disturbing images. Um, but one thing that uh, caught my attention was there's one um entry where they talk about all these different alternate um versions of the scp universe and in one of them the flesh that hates has pretty much taken over the entire globe and so you have modern day earth but everything that used to be stone or concrete or metal is now flesh and bone you <laughs> so you have a subway covered in flesh that has fleshy bug-like things acting as subway trains and oh yeah a, a world of flesh and it's always got the icker and spooge all over the place and other assorted unidentifiable fluids oh all with a particularly, you know, nasty swirl of color that doesn't. You're just wondering what is that? <laughs> uh, and that, yeah, it's that. As soon as we talked about that, I was like, ooh, because I wouldn't even want to visit for a half a second. It'd be like, yep, I'm done. Yeah, well, you know, when when they started doing all the Stephen King novels as movies, you know, you, you, the the trigger was green. If it was green and glowing, you knew it was bad, because that that was that was definitely a bad thing in any Stephen King novel or movie. So you know, I, I mean, not really the novels, but the movies. They kept they did it with you know, the Tales from the not it, was, it wasn't Tales from the Crypt. It, I think to, I want to say Tales from the Crypt, yeah. Because that was the one where Stephen King himself was the 
Actor. But anyways, there was no Crypt Keeper. I'm saying it was just a bunch of stories. But you know, uh, Creep Show, Creep Show, probably yeah, Creep Show. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, but there was also other things too that they they did plenty of. So yeah. Okay, so is that is that yours? The other one I had is again. I just now remembered it as we were discussing uh, bugs, uh, but again from the SCP Wiki, um, the planet of the Mars, which was a planet of humans who had um, developed this symbiotic relationship with a beetle type uh, insect. And these people would, upon like, I think their 15th birthday, they would um, let this bug climb onto them and the bug would burrow a hole into their flesh, create a little pocket for itself, and then spin webbing over over the wound to basically hide itself. And they would just live with these beetles inside them. And these beetles carried a, a virus that altered, you know, the human brain and made them totally devoted to these bugs. So that they loved having these bugs inside them. Oh, so they're, they're um, yeah, they're parasites. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much parasites. But the, <sighs> the, the trick was that the, the virus itself was the ultimate beneficiary of the parasite because the bugs themselves would only die after like a year or two without much reproduction it was mainly just to get the virus out which was sentient ah and so but yeah it was all about these humans who yeah everything they did was based on these bugs caring for them raising them um their all their art is based off of these bugs or, you know, things that looked like these bugs. Uh, their every waking moment was either working to promote, you know, the health and well-being of these bugs. And then maybe a little bit of stress relief before they go right back to working for the bugs. And, you know, the, the humans of the SCP Foundation, you know, have some means of teleportation to get to this planet. And now that, you know, these humans know that there's a whole planet that would be perfect for these bugs to live on and they want to come over. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let us, ter- let us terraform your planet. So you can also experience the glory that is the Mars. Yummy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, and, and not quite so um, negative of an ending. Um, Frank Herbert uh, wrote a novel, which was either called the, I think it was called the green brain. Green is definitely, you know, in in the title. Uh, and it was about, there was this, you know, uh, these humans were basically uh, beleaguered. They were, you know, like insects all around and they were trying to get in and eat their crops and stuff like that. And they, they put up all these sonic barriers and stuff like that. And so they had created a kind of a real uh, us versus them to insects in general, okay? And uh, by the time you get to the end of the novel, you uh, you find out that the insects have actually formed a uh, mass brain, an intelligence, and uh, you know it's and what it really wants to do is it uh, it wants to develop a symbiotic relationship with the humans, bring the humans into the ecology is what I'm really trying to say here. And that they're not actually trying to kill off the humans by eating all their food. It's just, you know, as long as the humans are keeping them away from food and it's, you know, and they're not part of the collective, so to speak, uh, you know, the, the, the brain doesn't know what to do with the humans except treat them like an enemy. 
so what happens at the end is is that there's this one guy uh and he ends up something bad happens to him and he falls in with the insects okay and everyone says he's dead and it's over and you know, too bad, so sad, let's light, a, let's light a candle for this poor guy. Except he shows back up again. And, you know, I think what happened was is he got shot in the heart by somebody else, by accident or something. I, I don't remember the details, but the point was he, his heart was damaged. And he comes back and they uh, they welcome him back in and he's like, you know, and they start you know, the, the, the checking him out and they realize that we're... In the center of his chest, there's a, there's a big hole, and inside that hole is a big insect. Okay, and this insect is basically acting as his heart. Oh, it's it's been re, it, this insect has essentially been repurposed, you know, by the green brain for the to, to to create this heart for him so he could be alive, and so he can act as the emissary from the green brain to the humans, you know, to try to come to some kind of agreement because you know. It, Basically, it's it's you know, they, it it doesn't want to be in an antagonistic situation, uh, and it it it, it 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 knows that ultimately it's it believes it ultimately will succeed in taking over the world. It doesn't want to do it by cruelly by destroying the humans. Instead, it would, <sighs> so it's trying to yeah. create a meeting of minds so that they can coexist rather than whatever. So. Let me tell you about the new norm. <laughs> you can join it, or we can crush you. These insects can do a lot more than you think. You know, they they can you know grow. Uh, you know, we 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 can you know uh, grow chemicals and stuff like that. We can uh, you know we can provide medicines that don't even exist. You know, we we can. Um, you know, like I said, if you have organs that are failing, we can repurpose. You know, our our. Uh, larvae to to these specific purposes and replace those organs you can live you know long and healthy lives where right now you know you're suffering all kinds of debilitating illnesses okay we just you know you just have to like work with us you know and they're all like you know i think in the end of the novel they're just kind of like going you know at what point do we stop being humans if we do this and that's, of course, what uh, Herbert loved to do was to raise those questions for people to answer the reader, you know. So, but the uh, the idea that I had, which actually came from my son, uh, which was a, a kind of a whodunit, uh, because there are what happening is is that th they're finding people who've had their eyes plucked out by somebody. They never, they never see who it is. It's like they get knocked out, and when they come to, their, you know, their eyes are on fire because he's basically removed them, okay? And uh, by following the, uh, uh, the the clues or whatever, like, it turns out that there's this, there's this uh, crazy person or this cult that believes that there is an eldritch being that's trying to be born through dreams. So by taking people's eyes out it's more likely that they will fall into a dream state because they you know you know look using using your eyes is one of the ways we keep ourselves awake and if you close your eyes and you listen to things it's real easy to fall asleep so they came with this idea that by plucking out people's eyes there's going to be more sleeping going on and as a result, then the, the 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 time to this eldritch being being born will be shortened, 
And of course, you know, now, is this true? Is it false? It doesn't really matter. The, the point is, is that you got to find these people, you got to find this crazy person and put a stop to it because they're just going to keep on preying on, you know, the, the vulnerable, whoever they can get for this purpose, you know, to, to, to push their agenda forward. So the adventure is basically, it's a, mystery, it's, it's a criminal mystery uh, that they need to unravel and unsolve. You just reminded me of another kind of disturbing um, scenario. Um, I don't know if you guys ever played a terror tracks from like mid nineties full motion video computer game. Okay. But, I think I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I discovered it shortly after I discovered Bureau 13. So I immediately jumped on because it's pretty much it's what if the what if 911 had its own supernatural response division. Okay. Okay. So it was pretty much Bureau 13. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was um, one of the, the monsters you're chasing is it's basically a Frankenstein. Um, it's a man who was, you know, put back together after he was killed and brought back to life. And he's going around searching for all of the body parts of his that were donated after his death. I think you told us about this before. I think so. I'm I'm pretty sure, but yeah, you, you, he you know he's going back and he's finding the people who got his donated eyes and he's taking them back and cue the and, Chris Rock bit about Mama, where's my eyes? Yeah, taking yeah. back his heart, his original yep. heart, and all that kind oh, of. Oh yeah, no. yeah it's, but yeah, there the one of the the particular <laughs> things that comes to mind is as you said that you go into a house from you know a nine one one call and you find the woman you know, on the floor next to the phone and her eyes are gone. Oh yeah. And it's like, huh? Uh, and then of course, you know, Frankenstein is still there and he's like, get out of my way. Scary, scary. But yeah, your, your, your scenario definitely reminded me of that. Cause yeah, that's definitely something that's disquieting is anything like involving the eyes in general. I think we've, we've already kind of hinted at it earlier that that's just icky. Oh yeah, the scene with in the mummy from when Burns got his eyes taken by Imhotep, or his eyes oh, and yeah. his tongue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ugh. Yeah, we're not we're not leaving on a good note here with this. I can already tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the point here is, is that like we said, we wanted this um, this podcast to be about disquieting. Uh, factors, and uh, if we leave with everybody feeling a little creeped out, then we've done our job, and uh, we hope so we hope that you guys, our listeners, are going to use these ideas as soon as possible, and we hope that you, uh, you know, really have fun with it, and really get proficient in uh, creating truly alien uh, worlds, and the situations rather than the uh, you know bug on the bug on the nose that we're so used to from uh, uh, what's out there in, in in general media. Okay, just go the extra mile. Do the do, you know do the extra stuff. And and if you can bring in props to your tables, that's even better. Okay, but whatever you you know whatever you want to do, I'm saying push push yourself to do, go that extra mile to bring. Uh, a, a very, you know, poignant, memorable, 
you know, un, a hard to forget experience to your players because, you know, they may not appreciate it at the time, but later on, it's going to be an adventure that they remember possibly forever. They will tell stories, yes. Yeah, so it's, you know, and that's the kind of GM you want to be. You want to be the kind of GM that people talk about later on, hopefully for good, but, some, yeah. you know, but we all have our place in, in, in the world. Uh, so uh, please take these ideas, use them, you know, with as much vigor as possible, but remember to know your players, okay? You know, don't use, use the trigger, you know, uh, you know, use consent cards, use whatever to, to make sure you don't go too far, okay? So you can have a really good time and make it really memorable and everybody can feel like you've really done something far more than you could ever do in like a video game that you could play online or whatever. That this is that this is something that, that you can only do through tabletop role-playing and uh, make that your own. So uh, we hope you do it. We hope you... Uh, you uh, drop us some messages on Facebook and uh, on uh, email or, you know, on, you know, leave us a, a big five-star rating over there on Apple uh, for our podcast. And every place you, you're getting this podcast from, please let them know that you're listening and that you think we're really good. Uh, and, uh, you know, let's, let's really do this and, and let's hear how it worked out. And, you know, who knows? Maybe your game will become so amazing and so poignant that you can become the next critical role because, you know, they, they all basically started somewhere with people who are willing to do the extra mile. So we're hoping the best for you. We know you can do it. And we're going to have more for you next time. But you're going to have to wait. Until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.